So good morning. It is a beautiful day, right? It's amazing that it's such a beautiful day and everybody's kind of hunkering down and getting bleach and all kinds of stuff trying to stay nice and safe. So we will see what becomes of this, but we need, really need to be praying about this and the things that are happening across the world because of the spread of this virus. But again, we all know that there are just some common sense measures to take, right? The biggest one is wash your hands. <laughs> wash your hands. So when you sneeze, where do you sneeze? To your elbow. All right? And uh, right now it feels like we're, we're good to still be a hugging community, but, you know, if it gets bad, we'll become an elbow knocking or leg hugging folks if we need be. But if things get extreme, we are, or I am, looking at how to use Facebook online, the whole services and that kind of thing, just because we want to be ready and want folks to know how to reach out and be together, all right? So Andrew said that was the end of the announcements, but y'all know I always start with a few myself, right? So the first one is with um, Gabriel's departure, we need some folks to um, take on the coffee making Sunday mornings. And so if someone is interested in that and is kind of a coffee connoisseur, I am not. So you really don't want me to make your coffee. It'll taste like tea. <laughs> Telling you. It's not hard. I make, no. It's not hard for you all. <laughs> I can't make a cup of coffee. Thank God for Keurigs. Hands off. When we had the regular thing, I was like, it was, no. So, um, and forgive me, everyone who loves coffee, y'all just pray for me, right? All right. The next thing, the first slide is the installation. So um, we are having an installation service. Um, and so maybe your first question is, why? <laughs> so, because I've been asked that a lot. Um, I came in September, and usually there's a little bit of a pause before, um, or by tradition, different traditions. Mine is a little bit of a pause before you have a formal installation. And that is kind of like the, um, the you and I, like, coming up and getting married, you know, the formal, yeah, we, we like her. So I think from the clapping, you do like me a little bit. <laughs> um, but it's also a time to pray um, and thank God for what he's done in bringing us together. Uh, it's uh, really, um, I think, can be a very sweet service. Um, so we're having it on the 22nd at 3 p.m. Uh, so it means we're having two services. Yay! See, thank you! And I would ask you all to come back for that. There is an um, opportunity to have some folks come in, but this is really about us. Um, in addition to being installed and being ordained, I've never been ordained, so the council is ordaining me. So what is that? That, again, is the council as the uh, leadership body of the church laying their hands on me and blessing me into formal ministry. Um, and, and having the sanction that people say, we do see the spirit of God on you and that you're called for this role. And so with their laying of hands, there will also be an opportunity for you all to come and as a full church to lay hands. So I'd really like you all to be a part of that. That would be tremendous. So let me tell you a little bit about what's happening. So Emily Evelsizer has agreed to do a solo. I thought that was really good. I was excited about that. 
Um, there's going to be a brief message from uh, Brianna and, and Charlene um, to share about the significance of the day. And then Becca Zinn has agreed to come in and give a formal charge to the church, which I thought was kind of neat. feels like a passing of the baton. But, and then I have this wonderful woman who has who mentored me through seminary. Her name is Dr. Martel, Dr. Reverend Dr. Lorda Martel Otero. Um, she is a wonderful woman who is now in Kentucky, um, but just a phone call away when I have questions, needs, concerns. And I asked her if she, like, if she would be a part of this, and she was like, I will be there. So she's coming into town, and I would love for you all to meet and hear her. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman who helped me as I was reimagining my faith. So I think she will we'll have a lifetime um, relationship, or at least my lifetime here at the church. So again, I would love for that to happen and for you all to be here with me during that day. It's probably going to be about um, an hour or so, the actual service, and then we'll have a reception following, okay? So you always say, free food. <laughs> Come on. But the next thing I, I want to do is, you know, we have had some wonderful opportunities pr to pray for one another, and we've had the opportunity to pray for the Hardys. Um, They're here today. Um, and I'd like them to come forward and just kind of give us an update. I talked to Ashley, not you, Derek, like Ashley in the bathroom. Um, just to give us an update on what's going on, um, and then I'll talk some more. Hello, everybody. So um, it's been a crazy week, uh, to say the least. Um, so Nevaeh, our foster daughter, um, about three, four weeks ago, we actually put in our notice for her to um, go back because she was about to be reunified with um, her parents. And then on Tuesday, and we had lots of concerns about that, and it, you know, it's just not the right thing to do for her. Um, she's a medically needy child and all of those things. Um, and so uh, a few days ago, the agency called us and said they're now looking to terminate the parents' rights and um, just like answer prayer. And, um, and so we suspended our notice and so now um, it's looking like Nevaeh is going to end up staying with us and we're going to adopt her, but we still need lots of prayer. We still have a long way to go. Um, we're looking at maybe like another six to eight months before we have an actual answer. Um, and we're also expecting. So, <laughs> um, and so that's been, um, some people in the church know our journey, but we've been through three years of IVF. And so, um, sub two surgeries, um, lots of procedures. Um, and actually September 30th of 2017, he had to rush me to the hospital and they told me, oh, you'll never have kids. Um, and my due date is actually September 30th. So <laughs> it's crazy how things come full circle. So we're just asking for um, for prayer and just to keep us in your thoughts and positive vibes and all those sorts of things for us um, as we transition into this new phase yeah. of life. Thank you. With two kids. I want. So, <laughs> so many of you have two or more. So please, any tips that you may have, <laughs> please share with us because... <laughs> We need it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yes, it is. 
So I like them to stay for us to, to pray for them. But I would also, you know, we, gotta, we have to pray them into the home stretch. We're here now, right? And we want to make sure that, um, that things turn out the way we're hoping. So I want to extend to uh, members of the church an opportunity to just kind of be a prayer warriors for them. Um, there is a, a piece of paper here on the altar. If you would like to sign your name and your email address, I will take, keep up and take requests because I don't want to burden you guys. But, and then get the word out to everybody on what prayers are needed, you know, because we really want to come around you and uh, just do what family does. So for those who are, would you come up? Yeah, join me in prayer. Um, Kenny. Um, and any members of the church who feel led, if you want to come and gather around, come on. Oh, Chris. Come on, Chris. I know. Call you up last minute prayer. But I'm going to give it to our prayer folks. I'm going to give it to you, Emily. Let me start off. Yeah. Father, thank you for who you are, and thank you that we can gather together um, and just praise you for the work that you have done um, for this family uh, yes. that has um, stood with you and with each other and um, been open to your spirit and the way that you're moving, and I just bless their family um, to continue to grow in love and yeah, in closeness with you, bless um, this pregnancy, Jesus, that it would be healthy, um, that the life growing would be strong. Um, we bless Nevaeh in your name, Jesus, and just pray for um, all that is good and best for her and for her life, um, and that you would place her um, in a safe and loving home, um, and that you would heal her body as well and um, grow her um, to be strong and healthy. Father, thank you that you are the God of community, that you are family itself, and that you um, bring us all together. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. So the form is here. If you want to sign up, please, please do. We got another baby. And I'm not having it. <laughs> I'm at grandma's stage now. So. Praise Jesus. I love you guys. You pray and you support. It, 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 it's a tremendous, tremendous thing. Okay. Now, we can get into the sermon. All right. So, um, we finished up last week. We were talking about belonging um, and uh, enjoyed that. Today, I want to talk about liberty as we start walking our way toward our Easter uh, celebration. Um, and so... Um, that we could have some thoughts about the liberty that Jesus has brought us to, that we can um, know better uh, how to access our liberty and how to live in the liberty that God is giving us. And so um, I want to start it this way. Um, now, I'm trying to organize my, my sermons a little bit better because I know folks want to take some notes. So here's my claim, all right? We're all born... Uh, in a system, and sometimes I even think we're trapped in a, a really complex social systems that support, strengthen, and encourage injustice, you know? Uh, we as Mosaic, we, we would agree to that. 
there are some obvious social structures or constructs that, that are problematic from race to status and class to gender to orientation to age to physical ability. Those things mark us and sometimes uh, they're called master status um, uh, items and they mark us sometimes before people even take a closer look at who we are. Um, I am a woman, an African-American, and uh, sometimes it's difficult for people to get past that. I've been the executive director of an organization going in to represent with my uh, assistant and had everyone talking to my assistant like she, who was like 20 years younger than me, like she was in charge and I was helping her. I mean, I was even dressed better than she was that day, you know? Because we have to do that, you know? You have to make yourself look the part and put on extra, extra things so people will look past that. History records movements that have attempted to disrupt these long-held social structures. There have been labor movements. There have been um, civil rights movements and even and equal rights movements. Yet even with these movements, the correctives we're about improving the circumstances of some, but not all. Within the labor movements, there was a push for safety for everybody. There was a push for fair wages, but the practices or the practice of fair wages was really focused on men and outpaced women, and we are still dealing with that today. Within the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, there was a push to end discriminatory practices that were kind of a, a codified through these Jim Crow laws that were in place. But aspects of the work, even in civil rights, were focused more on men than women. By the way, happy International Women's Day. Amen, amen, amen. Yet even within the women's rights movement, equal rights movement, um, though it was focused on women, the initial movement focused on white women. And black women or women of color were invited to add to the number so the march would look good. But the concerns of those communities, they weren't addressed. They weren't even listened to. Um, so despite how we try to clean up our structures, we're still dealing with injustice. And I think because injustice is like pollution, um, we're breathing it in all the time. And it skewed our understanding of what liberty, of what real freedom is. Sometimes I think we work to correct the social wrongs um, by first looking at the systems and we do these big systemic movements. But I think there's a different role for the church to play. I think the church has to look at the individual heart because we can put all the laws we want to put in place, but when the heart of people, my heart is messed up, then we get what we're getting now, this uproar, this, this backlash, rising in, uh, injustice coming, coming on. Um, and we really have to take time to deal, especially within the church, because I've been so disappointed. I don't know about you especially within the church, to take the time to look at this and deal with our, our hearts. I think the systems reflect us. We want to reflect the system, and I think that's backwards. 
That's just backwards. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some stuff. Have you ever thought about what happens when a thief gets caught? Not the legal stuff, okay? That's easy, you know, lock them up, whatever, go before the judge. But what happens on the inside of a thief? Or think about your niece, nephew, your child, when they get caught. Or even when we get caught doing some stuff that we shouldn't be doing. What happens with that? Here's a reality. When we get caught, we just got caught. Getting caught creates a threat for us, a threat to what we wanted and to our original intention by the thing that we were doing. We toss in a bunch of you know, potential shame because I don't want me to be embarrassed or be ashamed or somebody put me on blast for the thing I did, you know. Uh, and our fight or flight response kicks in and kids and adults will say whatever we need to say to get out of trouble. Um, now, those of us on the other side, you know, because we want to be super spiritual sometimes when people get, you know, we get caught. I'm like that. Because I want, you know, it's going to be okay. I want to comfort you. I want to help you. Um, so we see it as an opportunity for change and for healing and getting things straightened out and all the, that stuff. But the truth is still, all you have when you get caught is somebody got caught. It doesn't mean there's going to be this super change thing going on, right? Um, a thief wants to get out of trouble. So I have this little brief video. Can we get lights? Because it's not going to last very long, so you got to look and pay attention. I think it's cute, but it's representative of what I'm speaking of. Oops, forget that part. Poor baby. Are you supposed to be eating cookies? Yeah. No, you're not. So where do boys go when they get in trouble and they don't want to give up the iPad? They hide in the pantry. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, mommy. Are you supposed to have those? Really brief. I like the kid with the with the iPod pad. So he's just like, oh shoot, <laughs> it's not done yet. Um, when you have a person that gets caught, that's it. They just got caught. Um, you know what happens, especially with that kid on the um, with the iPad. I can see it in his eyes. He got caught. He was like, and his brain started moving. Right what am I going to do to finish this video or whatever this game was I was playing with, right? It's not dad caught me. I got to finish this thing. I say this, when we get caught, when I get caught, when you get caught, the first thing that comes is to, our, to my mind, okay, I'm not going to talk about your mind, is how can I be a better thief? <laughs> See, somebody knows it's true, right? Mm, I got caught with this start. You start looking over what you did and the mistake you made. And, oh, next time. See, already, next time I won't do that. 
I'll do this, and maybe that'll work out. And it's not, we don't rest in repentance. I need to change. I need to not have done that thing. It's, oh, shoot. How can I be a better thief? (laughs) Why? It threatens what we want to do or obtain. It adds the potential for a boatload of shame, fight or flight, and we say whatever we need to get out of the moment, but not to be transformed in it. I think in some ways that's what happens in our social structures. Oop! Um, I don't know what I started with. Next one. Uh, labor unions. So, uh, a labor movement. So we went from having kids in dangerous situations while they were working in employment, horrible conditions for people working. And so we created a bunch of laws to end that, right? And what happened? We shipped that stuff overseas. And now kids are working in horrible conditions. And people are making wages that don't help them live. We got caught over, over here. And because we are America or whatever, we made some changes because you want to look, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out of trouble. But you see, I got to figure out a way to still get what I want. And what I want is a big profit margin. So I'm going to go over there where people don't really think about it and care. Their faces look different than mine. Next one. Um, the women's movement. This sign says, Mr. President, um, how long must we wait for liberty? Which is just a really interesting question for like 1920 white people to ask. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) But I'm just like, how long must we wait? Uh, What will you do for women's suffrage? The women, again, suffrage movement was, about, was not about people that looked like me. Even in the now movement, the agendas of women were, of color were ignored. And, and so we had to set up our own organizations. And they still exist today for voices to be heard, you know? And the, the biggest insult, offense, that I have to try not to get caught in is when people roll their eyes and say, ooh, not again. You people always talking about race. I'm like, yeah, you're always acting like a racist. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm real, y'all. So, so we get caught, we make slight adjustments, but the real is what we need, right? So what's my point? My point is, despite all the societal change, we keep coming back to the same problems again and again and again. And it just seems to me, again, that the role of the church has to be something different to end the cycle of injustice. We need to be set free, free from those patterns that enslave us and free to those things that separate us from one another. They cause us to misunderstand what it means to be free or to have liberty. A while back, we studied uh, the words justice and righteousness, and I talked about how they were relational or communal words. Well, the word liberty falls into that category as well. It is a relational word. I cannot have liberty without you having liberty. But you see the distortions, the darkness, the, I like darkness, the cloudedness of our minds make us think that if I'm free, that's what matters, right? But how do we get free? 
I believe we get free from the traps. We stop breathing the pollution of injustice by taking hold of what God has provided for us. To, be, to overcome these systems and structures, I want you to read, aloud, uh, read along with me as I read aloud from Luke 4. He, meaning Jesus, went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophets, the prophet Isaiah, was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying this today. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus because God gave him the authority to proclaim good news to those traumatized in the grip of poverty. Despite, see, we get confused. Jesus said, the poor you have, you'll always have with you. Some people took that as a sanction that they were going to be poor people. So that's the real, it, it's their fault, it's the reality. Instead of our responsibility that we set up systems that keep people impoverished. I don't want us to get confused. But he proclaimed good news to those who were traumatized by the grip of poverty. Proclaimed freedom to those who were taken captive and isolated from their fellow journeyers. Whether the isolation came through racism, through being a, man, being a woman in a man's world, or being kids who were used for profit. He proclaimed recovery of sight to those enslaved by their inability to see what was right in front of them. Hearts get so hardened that I can walk past somebody who doesn't have anything to eat. It's like, you can't stop for every homeless person, but you can stop and walk and listen to the spirit about how you should respond today. And to set free those who experience the burden of those who exercise authority in cruel and unjust ways. We are set free first by believing that God in the person of Jesus entered God's creation with the authority, the right and the ability to set you and me free from all those things that were mentioned above and even more. To believe that he has the power to enter into our lives, to expose those things and help us to live a life that's filled with the liberty of being released and entering into communion with one another. Can Jesus set you free from the trauma associated with poverty and poverty itself? You believe that? Can Jesus set a person free from that? From the trauma? I mean, poverty has its trauma. To go through a night and not have food and not know where your next meal is coming from messes with your brain. It teaches you that you don't belong. No one cares for you. No one's going to care that you get a meal tomorrow. My father grew up like that. So much so that my father became the provider for his immediate family. At 12, he went and got a job and stopped going to school. Sixth grade education to take care of his sisters because they were always hungry. 
Can Jesus set you free from the many ways you've been isolated from your fellow journeyers in life, free from the false hierarchies that are created around all the stuff, including ageism? Can he do that? Can Jesus help us see through the complex systems and structures in place so we can see each other as whole and see the intrinsic value of another human being, that we can shake off the negative level labels that the world puts on us? Can Jesus do that? Can Jesus set us free even in the midst of those who are in power today, who try to lord over us, who ignore and say things will just get better when this virus is coming, it's coming. No, it's not. It'll just disappear. Can Jesus set us free? Never, never go. I believe Jesus can set us free. But now, here's another question for you. Will Jesus set you free? Will he set you free? See, because I have this great amount of faith for y'all. And I will pray you through some stuff and celebrate the victory. But when it gets to me, I got to work a bit harder on that one because I want to believe, but I find myself saying, help my unbelief, you know? Someone once said to me, we, we mentally assent to, to many, many things. We think about them. We can give you a dissertation on why they're true. But the things you actually believe, you live. And what we are living is speaking. It speaks to us if we'll stop and examine it. My favorite scripture, early scripture, uh, as a new Christian I came upon is, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But those that come to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, in my youth, I thought the reward was stuff, okay? So, and I had stuff that I needed to, to, to get, right? Uh, trying to finish school, high school I'm talking about, and trying to get through college and, and living arrangements and things. But then I got older and I had to ask the question, what is the reward? What is this reward that he will give to those who seek him? And the reward is himself. He will give us himself in a big bodacious sometimes could be even obnoxious like when I told you I put the sign in the ground and the man who bought the house walked up and, and, and said I want the house you know but it's that belief that God has given Jesus the ability to set us free you gotta know that Secondly, we need to understand that we are not just talking about an external freedom, not just a release from servitude or physical bondage. We need to understand that God has given, us, has given Jesus the power to deliver us from the pollution that's clouded our minds, to reorganize our thinking, to restructure it. You say, they say, you can't teach an old dog a new trick. And I say, you can teach any dog any trick any day that that dog is willing to learn it. Amen? 
He's giving Jesus the power or to deliver us from the control of our lusts that, that, that our lusts have over us. Uh, I think it's First John that says, you know, no temptation, no new temptation is overtaking you, but, but that stuff that's already inside. You know, the desire for stuff, the desire to be somebody. And that desire meaning I want, I want to be somebody. I want to be the best me I can be. But I've grown up at a time when wanting to be somebody meant I want to be better than you. And at times, that stuff still comes up in me. I want somebody to see me and go, oh, yeah, I like her, but not her. You know, and that's that stuff in my head that needs to be rewritten. I need to get rewired in. And he's delivered us from crowning or enthroning our will so that others, including God, are subject to us. These are the deliverances that he's given us. So I ask, why is this needed? Because if I'm honest, there are times I want, I want the hierarchy. I want to be on top of it all. And when I'm left to my own devices, that's what I seek. I need a partner in life. You know, if I never had kids, I would have never known a depth of love for another person. If I never had kids, I would have never been able to forgive my parents. Now, this is me. I'm not saying it has to be your story, but we have people we love and relationships we're with, you know? Because when you're involved with them, you see the reality of what it's like to live. And I'm not perfect, and I see that the impact that my living has on another human being. And for my kids, I was able to look up and go, oh, my goodness. And I had to redefine, reimagine my faith because the way it was structured before was very selfish. And I lived in a very insulated community. And we thought, come on, people, we thought we were grooving. We thought we were involved. I was part of a ministry that was all over the city. But yet it was us and them. And long as there exists an us and them, I'm not in liberty. I'm not. Because liberty frees us all. Liberty unites us all. Liberty is there. This liberty that we seek from God. We're created for unity, for common communion, for common union. The good news is that those traumatized in the grip of poverty, here's the good news. You're not alone. Your family here, your family of God is here with you. The proclamation to those taken captive and placed in isolation is this. You are not alone. Your family and God is here. The word to the blind is that you are not alone. You can have Jesus' eyes and you can have my eyes to see your situation. The word of joy is this freedom and liberty that you and I have as a family, we can use it to stand against the cruelty of authority and we can rewrite systems. But first, we have to do the individual work of rewriting the pages of our heart. Many of us have gone through uh, reimagining our faith and in the process, we got turned off to a bunch of stuff with God. And I'm so glad that you guys gave church another chance. I want to ask you to give scripture another chance. I want to ask you to read it with this new vision that you have, these new eyes that you have. 
that call for blindness to be removed, that call to look, to look at scripture and think, how can institutions be changed? The call that says, how can I get my, my brain to not, no longer be clouded by the structures of this world and to have a conversation with God about it as you read the scripture? Lord, why did you say this? What is this about? And challenge God. I don't understand that. That does not make sense. We get so paralyzed sometimes in our teaching that we think we can't have a real conversation with God, right? Here's my line. Well, I said it in my head. You heard it anyway, right? And you do that when you cuss, too. I just heard it in my head, Lord. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. But it is a challenge to pick it up. I can, I've reimagined this. I do not exalt the scripture above Holy Spirit. I don't. Because the Holy Spirit was given to me to lead me into all truth. And so I take the word of God and I sit in the presence of the spirit of God and I ask questions of it. And if it makes no sense, the Lord has this wonderful way of helping you and I bump into people who will help us understand something. We'll bump into something on TV. I've gone to movies that had nothing to do with Jesus and there was like three minutes and I was like, oh, wow. God explained something to me. To be open in that way, to, be, to reimagine life. Why? Because the earth, I'll be corny, but it's scripture. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. God can talk through anything God wants to talk to, including the word. So I'm not scared. I'm not afraid. I'm not scared. I'm not afraid <laughs> to talk about women in ministry. I'm not afraid to talk about orientation. I'm not afraid to talk those hot button supposedly issues, abortion and whatever. Why would I fear that? They're the questions I have. They're the questions you have. Let's get them answered. You don't have to avoid them with God and you don't have to avoid them with me. And here's the truth. We actually don't have to avoid them with each other when we approach each other humbly. I don't have to be right. I just want to know what's true. And if you can bring that to me, because I'm not a know-it-all pastor, I have some formal training. But you see, the word of God is kind of funny. We do stuff to get, you know, the sanction. You can put expert on our, on our belt or whatever and have something on the wall. But then a little baby will walk up to you and say something so simple that it'll break open, you know, that last paper you were writing. Because <laughs> God is not impressed by our degrees. And I'm not either. And I got some. I'm not impressed. What I am impressed by is people who seek, who seek to know me, who seek to know themselves, who seek to know God. And so it's a call, again, in the church that we elevate the place of understanding and knowledge in pursuit through scripture, that we can talk to one another in those kinds of ways also. Is that okay? The Lord took that over. That was not my ending. <laughs> because Jesus was anointed to deliver us, he set us free. But freedom isn't bringing us out into a nothingness. You know, the picture is beautiful, but it also begs to ask, what's next? Well, this liberty, this freedom is granting us access, moving us from pollution and cloudiness of our systems into the clear air of the kingdom of God. The fresh air of the kingdom of God is holiness, which is a word we back away from. I know it's a churchy word, 
I'm a, I want to redeem churchy words, okay? Can we do that together? Holiness means having the will and the ability to do things that are right and things that are good. That simple definition. I'm set free so that I, I can participate with God in this freedom. But it, holiness demands a relationship with God, a conversation. You ever known people you really want to know? I really want to know them really well, but I don't know what to say to them. I don't know how to talk to them. You know, and I always say, okay, I tell my kids this. Okay, before you go to, because we're all introverts, before you go into a room, think of three questions that you want to ask people and put them in your back pocket. And no matter what, you got your three questions. Now ask one and listen, and it'll lead to the next question. And that's what I want to encourage us to do in a practical way. Even if you practice, flip the Bible till it stops <laughs> and read. From that, come up with three questions for God. Put them in your back pocket and listen. Because this freedom will open us up in new ways to experience God. But this freedom and this place of holiness will allow us to really live our lives. Not just exist, not with our mask to cover and to shield, but to expose us because we're open to seeing how God will do and answer those questions, which will lead us open to the creativity of God, the move of God, and to hear. My job is to help you grow in your ability to hear the Spirit of God and to get out the way. Get out the way. And then for us to sit and go, what did you hear the Lord say? Well, I'm hearing this. Now, how do these things work together? What are we going to do about that? I can lead you into a movement to do incredible things in the community. It's a movement, and the cycle will keep coming back of why we did it. But if we lead each other into a movement of knowing God and living in holiness and practicing to the best of our ability, people, this is my, my Angela who said, uh, I don't even remember the first part, people remember what you do and how you made them feel. And if my goal is to help you feel whole, if my goal is to help you discover all that God put in you and let it come live, I think that's pretty good, actually. I think it's enough. I think it really is enough. So you and I have like a million dollars in the bank. We have to figure out what bank it's in. We have to figure out how to access it. We have to figure out, now that I have all this wonderful stuff, how do I not lose my mind? Because <laughs> people get stuff and lose their minds. I think the church got a bunch of stuff and we lost our ever-loving minds. And how do I act responsibly what the Lord has given me? It's a tired or standard analogy, but um, I think it works. Our million dollars in the bank is the Holy Spirit, and the bank is you. How do you and I access what God's put in there? May God bless you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.